Hello and welcome to TSL Pop. My name is Laura. This episode is from the archives of 2020 when I interviewed Victor Carrasquero. Victor has been teaching since 2006 and started training teachers shortly after in 2008. He currently works as the Assistant Academic Manager for Talent and Development for the British Council in Hong Kong, and his expertise include linguistics, phonology and lesson planning, just to mention a few. In this episode, Victor reflects on his journey into becoming a teacher trainer, as well as shares tips for those that may be interested in a similar career path. I asked him about his early career and the path that led him to where he is now. I've taught English and trained, um, you know, EFL and ESL teachers in Venezuela and South America and in Hong Kong. Uh, I've lived in Hong Kong uh, and worked here since 2016. I've taught learners of all ages, from kindergarten classes to adults, as well as many different class types, general English, of course, uh, but also skills and exams classes, and social clubs, poetry workshops, and and many others I forget now. (laughs) Um, I I also had a brief stint as a university instructor, three years, I think, between 2008 and 2011, where I taught general English to prospective EFL teachers. Mm. Uh, that was really, really good, really interesting for, for, for me and, and, and my career. And I also taught specialized courses like linguistics, phonetics, phonology, reading and writing as I worked towards my MSc in linguistics, mm-hmm. uh, which I also did in a Venezuelan university, by the way. So I think that from the very early stages of my professional career, I, I've been training teachers. Even in very specialized theory-driven areas, though, of the ELT field. But I believe that those first encounters with pre-service teachers opened my eyes to what student teachers were like, uh, to what they thought of the difficulties inherent to the profession, as well as their own ideas of how uh, things were like out there in the field, in the real world also in academia and mm. more in a more formalized and uh, place that had the appropriate resources. I started trying to make an effort and find practicality to the things I was, uh, uh, I was training in. So the shift from training at university level into a more practical type of training I think sort of allowed me to try and think of teaching not from the perspective of linguistics and language theories. Yeah, the theory and, side, yeah. Exactly, and theories of learning, but from the perspective of what can teachers do in class? Mm-hmm. How can I link what I know? How can I link my all the ideas and theories in my head to uh, things that I myself can do and things that my trainees can do? So when you're talking about those kind of things, you mean things like um, how to t- actually teach pronunciation in the classroom, practical techniques to help the learners build their pronunciation, that, those kind of things, you mean you kind of shifted more to that direction? Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned pronunciation because back then, um, and I'm now talking about the time when I joined the British Council, my training training tended to focus on pronunciation because my the emphasis of my um, master's degree was phonetics and phonology so I felt I was strong in that area so the one of the very first things I did was trying to find practical applications trying to find tips I could give to people but I guess then I started going through a process 
of understanding that I could give my trainees not only what I know about the field, but also technique, mm-hmm. methodology to, to actually use in class. It wasn't always easy because at the beginning, I didn't really have the confidence to address my colleagues. I, and I think it is something, that is something that you gain slowly through practice. The only way of gaining confidence, at least for me, that was the case, is going out there to the training session classroom and actually training, preparing. I think it is absolutely key to ensure you feel prepared and to remember that all good training is the same as all good teaching. Exactly. It's just teaching a different subject, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Kind of taking a step back and looking from a different perspective, yeah. And understanding your uh, uh, your learner, your course participant. Exactly. Um, can we just talk about that point a bit more? You mentioned like building confidence, and this is something that comes up quite a lot when I've worked with different teams um, around the world. What are some of the insights you, you have gained learning English as a second language and how it's really helped you as a teacher and a teacher trainer that we can share with those people that may have a little anxiety taking on these different roles? You see, I've been studying English as a foreign language since I was um, 12 years mm-hmm. old, I think. And I think I remember the methods I used to study English myself. And I completely, I totally remember really, really well what every single English language teacher I had did in class. And I think I am still in a position to say if what they did was something I liked or if it was something that I felt was mm, kind of horrible. Yeah, not effective. Exactly. Thank you. That's more positive. (laughs) I had a teacher who loved drilling pronunciation, getting us to drill pronunciation. And I remember loving that. I remember I looked forward to practicing that activity, to doing that activity. Did they do it in a kind of fun way then? Were they like incorporating movement or stuff like that? It was really fun. It was really quirky. And um, the teacher really had the teacher used a very um, natural way of modeling the language. But what I want to tell you is that it, in time, and as I studied at university level, my instructors back then said, look, drilling is not an extremely natural way of getting people to practice language because it's not fully realistic it's not what we do in, in out there in real life in the yeah, world yeah. but I kept thinking I didn't say it but I kept thinking I liked it and I think I needed it because yeah. I wanted to practice a very specific feature pronunciation exactly, yeah and you know eventually I understood as many other people around me understood that if it is useful if it is constructive and if it leads learners to practice something it's good. And it doesn't have to take away from those real opportunities to practice in a kind of situational context. You can still have drilling earlier on in the class, help learners improve a specific area, and then see if they can still continue to apply that in a role play, a conversation, a discussion. So you can still have both. You know what I mean? They're not like, you either have this or you either have this. You often have lots of different elements Absolutely. of support and freer practice. Yes. 
And, and, you know, this is but one example of how being a learner myself uh, of English as a foreign language mm. empowered me to have some sort of an understanding of learners of foreign language. And, you know, when I first started training, as I said before, I didn't feel completely confident every single time I was, you know, in front of a classroom full of my colleagues, my uh, other possible possibly trainers and other teachers who have, who are a lot more experienced than me. But I had that. I always had the knowledge and I kept reminding myself that I have always been a learner. Mm -hmm. I have always been a language learner. And I've seen, I've witnessed so many teaching professionals. And I think in, in time, I've gained an understanding of both sides you've just demonstrated is actually studying a language to then teaching it and training others in it is actually a very important and powerful resource because you can relate to the learners and in fact that should be used as an advantage and you can bring so much richness to the training classroom and that's probably something that our listeners if they're interested in becoming a teacher trainer or taking on teaching those high level students like c1 c2 then do it because you've got great perspective. You can relate and you can give an interesting and very valuable uh, perspective. Before we finish up today, are there any final tips and pieces of advice that you would like to give to teachers who may be on a similar journey to you or may just be interested in getting into teacher training? Getting into teacher training, look, number one, attend as many training sessions as you can. Engage in your CPD, work towards um, getting more knowledge, getting more experience. It is supremely important to see other people teaching and training. It is very important to put on your learner hat if you attend a training session. And conversely, it's also important to try and think about the training at, from the perspective of uh, an educator from the perspective of a trainer. And then also try and have a conversation with a trainer that you observe so that you kind of pinpoint why they've done specific things. I think that feeds into your ideas of how to give teachers learning experiences that will help them later on provide, well, better experiences to their students. But I think that's number one. You need to be to be, to become a trainer and to become a better trainer. Trainer, you need to observe as much as you can. And I think that's truly the secret, the core secret of all teaching and training: observing. So another tip I can give teachers and prospective trainers and current trainers is follow associations like IATEFL because. IATEFL usually organizes events like webinars now, and they also have special interest groups devoted to different areas of the teaching, English language teaching. Oh, yeah, I've seen those, the SIG groups, they call yes. them, right? They're wonderful. I belong to the um, pronunciation special interest group, and they're so good. They offer so many workshops, and as 2020 has been, well, 2020... <laughs> They've been offering so many webinars and I think they give you an opportunity. The webinars give you an opportunity to see how other people do it and how other people train and how people around the world prepare their sessions because they have specialists from all over the world. And that is also very important. 
using communities of practice and relying on communities of practice. Because I have seen in, um, for example, these IATEFL webinars and workshops, that many of the attendees come from similar backgrounds as mine. What I mean by that is they tend to be, many of them are speakers of English as a second language or as a foreign language. And they are some of the best practitioners out there. And you see that they're really interested and that they contribute to the community. It is very important, and I guess I'm going from tip two to tip three, to belong to your community. Rely on your immediate community as well. It's very likely that you're surrounded by a tiny community of teachers or by a large community of teachers. I work in British Council Hong Kong and I'm surrounded by many, many, many teachers of English and by trainers and by managers who are very experienced. And I try as much as I can to ask questions and to see how they do things in teaching and training and to show my ideas to as many people as I can to make sure that what, I, what I'm doing makes sense. Yeah. So rely on your community and be part of it. It's, it's really important. And thinking, thinking about my own home country, it's important if you, come, if, you, if you work and if you live in a rural area, you need your community more than other practitioners around the world because maybe you don't have access to bibliography, you don't have access or uh, easy access to many resource books. So you need to rely on the people that surround you and you need to truly be part of that community. Thank you so much, Victor, for sharing your story and for providing so much encouragement to our listeners. I hope that people listening today who may be interested in getting to teacher training or taking on more challenging projects um, will feel encouraged to do so, having listened to you today. Well, thank you very much for having me here. I, as I said at the beginning, I follow Tithel Pop. I, I love Tithel Pop and I, I am an avid listener. So thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. If you would like to find out more about Victor and the work he does, then I've put a link to his LinkedIn profile on the website. And of course, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, then you can ask us on Instagram, Facebook, or the website, tsolpop.com. Thank you.